home at, uh, at 6 o'clock, right? 6 o'clock. Um, there's going to be a potluck, and then after the potluck, Barry is going to share his, his uh, a testimony with you. That's something that's very dear to his heart, okay? So a potluck dinner and Barry's personal testimony um, this Tuesday at 6 o'clock at Bob's home, which is on Cypress Street, right? Just follow the cars. All right, and then the second announcement is Mary Ellen. We want to pray for Mary Ellen, somebody who's dear to our heart, who uh, had a fall, and uh, she's had some complications due to that fall. And so um, she's going to get some um, therapy probably this week at some point. So let's pray for Mary Ellen, okay? Let's do that right now. Father, we um, thank you for Mary Ellen Rexius and... Uh, and just the, the good life that she has lived and, and, uh, and just the love that she has for you and, and, and for other people. And our prayer for her this morning is that you would remind her in her heart and in her spirit, in her mind, that you love her. That uh, you've got her back. literally and spiritually and uh, and you're going to take care of her and help her to know that she's loved by others as well especially those uh, who are in our church and uh, Father we pray that as she um, approaches this, this therapy that, that you'd comfort her heart and give her courage and help her to get this problem corrected. Uh, we pray for your will to be done. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I was thinking about Christmas, because that's what I'm supposed to do this time of the year. And uh, I, uh, I, read, I read this sentence in a devotional. It's a, it's, it's a devotional specifically about Christmas, uh, written by a man named Paul Tripp. And this is the entry on December the 9th. It's part of the entry. He goes on for a few pages to elaborate. But, but this sentence kind of summarizes what the devotion's about. Jesus left his lofty place to rescue glory thieves who insert themselves into his place and make it all about them. Let me read it again. Jesus left his lofty place to rescue glory thieves who insert themselves into his place and make it all about them. Perhaps, this is, he goes on to say this, perhaps in ways we're not conscious of, we have shrunk life down to the size of our own glory. So I thought about that, and I thought about that, and I thought about that, and I thought, that's such a good thought, and, 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 and I want to share it, but I don't want to preach a message on some, someone's thought from a devotional. I want to preach a message that comes from the Bible. So is that, is that particular sentence, is it, is it true to the Bible? Is it, is, it a, is, it a, is it a certainty that I can find in, in, in Scripture? 
And uh, is, there, is there a Christmas passage that I can turn to that, that, that will reflect this truth? And I found one. I found one. Let me say this. I want you, and me, I want us to have the very best Christmas we've ever had. Better than the year that I got the, the, the weight set, the 110-pound weight set. Better than that year. And my brother got a bike. I want it to be better than that year. I want you to have the best Christmas that you've ever had. But it's going to require something on your part to admit you're a glory thief. To admit that, like I need to admit, that we're still a little bit too much like Herod. Which is to admit we're a little bit like terrorists. See, the incarnation exposes us. The coming of Christ shows us who we are because it so dramatically shows us what we need. Yesterday, just put a little what we call shoe leather on it. Yesterday, I'm, I'm, I'm coaching girls basketball now, so I'll, I'll use one of my stories, but you, you have a multitude of stories you could use for how, how this intersects with our life. Okay, and then we'll get into the, into the text of the Bible. So, so, Friday night was not good. Friday night was just not good. We just got, we just got, um, well, we got beat. <laughs> and, and it wasn't close, okay? It wasn't close. We played, we played Frontier, which in, now I understand it's a little bit bigger school. And, and they have girls that play basketball all year long. And no excuses, we got beat. And it was hard. It was a hard night. And uh, got up next morning ready to, ready to go. Next game, we won. Uh, we, won we won it easily, okay? Played well. Then, then the next game was against North High. And, uh, I mean, we are, we're, you know, we've, we've, we've successfully bounced back from, from what could have been a devastating defeat and, and won our first game, and now we're, in, we're, we're just engaged in this, in this battle with North High. And, uh, and, and when I say engaged, understand that this, from, from, from the standpoint or from the viewpoint of Dave Bacher, that means veins in the neck popping out, red in the face, uh, looking like I'm about to explode. Okay, that's, that's the kind of passion that I'm talking about. Right. Well, 
here's the value of, of, of athletics. I, I don't know where you stand on athletics, where you're just tired of hearing about it or, or wherever you're at, whether you're just indifferent to it or not. There is a, there is a great value in, in the adversity that you have to face when you're involved in an athletic context. Context, contact, test, context, whatever. Either one will work. Because you're, you're, you're engaged in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a struggle, right? And sometimes things go your way and sometimes they don't. Well, sometimes you're playing five on five in basketball. Just like in football, sometimes you're playing 11 on 11. But sometimes you're playing five on seven, in our case, yesterday. In other words, those people that dress funny with the black and white stripes on their shirt. In my humble opinion, they weren't doing their job correctly. Well, if you wonder where all this is going, I'll put it bluntly. I'm a glory thief. You see, I pride myself choosing the word deliberately. I pride myself on being fair. And upon any perception that things aren't fair, I'm going to rise up and confront it. Right? The problem is that rising up and confronting it, there's a, there's a thin line. I'm telling the story, Joe. <laughs> I got kicked out once. Not yesterday, not yesterday. It's been a while. There's a fine line. You know, and it was that after that game was over, reflecting upon this, this, this whole idea of glory. What, what is it that, that drives that, that, that desire for fairness? Well, that's, that's a very good quality. It is. It's, it's, it's a good quality. It's one of God's qualities. But in the wrong hands, see, it gets distorted. In the wrong hands, it gets, it gets twisted. In the wrong hands, it gets used in such a way that, 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 that you, 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 can, you, can, you can get what you want, but in the end... It's a very temporary victory. You ever basked in the, in the glow and in the glory of a basketball victory? Do you know how long it lasts? 
And then you start looking to the next game. Any victory is like that. We're glory thieves. I, I, I want to I wanna be known as a winner. Someone who can mold and fashion girls into a coherent unit that can take the floor and, and, and win a basketball game and the glory that's associated with that tastes really good for about two and a half minutes until the next game. We're glory thieves. We love the idea that we're smarter than others. We love the idea that we're stronger than others. We love the idea that we're more clever than others. And our identity gets wrapped up in those things. And we forget. God's smarter than us as collective humans. God's stronger than us as collective humans. God's more clever than us as collective humans. God's wiser than us as collective humans. Trying to steal the glory of God, it just doesn't have a good end. Matthew chapter 2. These, these, these stories related to Christmas, wow, they're so rich. <laughs> they're so, so rich. So, so very rich. Better than Grandma's coconut cream pie. And believe me, she made some good coconut cream pie. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, and just, just putting those two things together, you don't, you don't see it right away. You, you, don't, you don't see it unless you reflect on it for a while. But, but here it is. Here it is. God coming in the flesh. That's Jesus born. Connected with Bethlehem and Judea, a town of about 2,000 people. In the days of Herod the king, and we'll get to Herod in a second. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born? who has been born king of the Jews, for we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, well, there was, there was something like turbulence in his soul. He was, he was greatly disturbed. He was in turmoil. And when the king's in turmoil... All of his subjects are in turmoil. 
And so all Jerusalem with him was troubled. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you Bethlehem, O Bethlehem, in the land of of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, in response to this prophecy, and in response to what he heard from these religious, basically religious experts, scholars and experts, Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, not the stable, the house, not three, it doesn't say. They saw the child. They brought three gifts, but it may have been five wise men bringing three gifts. Going into the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Okay, what's happening with, with this whole thing? Well, you've got to look at it this way. This is, this is a story. This is a God's story. This is God's story of redemption. This is, God, this is how God is going to save his people which has been expanded to include us, how God is going to save us from our sins. And, and, and this is going to be accomplished by, by the Son of God becoming a child and, 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 and living among us a, a, a perfect life, a, a, the, the perfect pattern of what life's about. And then, of course, dying on the cross and rising from the dead for our sins. So this little child is is Messiah. He's the king. He's the long-expected king. The, the Emmanuel, God with us. We just sang about it. This is, this is him. He's been born. These wise men. Let's talk about the wise men. How they factor into the story. You know why they're called wise men? Because they studied. They studied two things. They're called wise men, but that's just, that's, just, that's just the tradition. Here's what they studied. They studied the stars. They didn't have ESPN. They didn't have soap operas. They didn't have, have what, what, Netflix. They couldn't binge on Netflix, so they, so they looked at the stars. They studied the stars. And they studied the stars for guidance. 
They were astronomers, astrologers. They looked to the heavens for signs and portents. And not only was not only was it the 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 the, the stars as their as their as their subject of study, the scope of their study, but they also studied ancient scriptures. Now these people, these 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 wise men probably came from the east, which would mean they probably came from Babylon or Persia or or, or someplace like that. While the stars were available to everybody, those in Jerusalem as well as those in the east, but how did they get a hold of the Hebrew scriptures? How did they get a hold of, 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 of these scriptures so that they'd know when they compared the scripture to the star, they'd, they'd know that something this profound and significant was happening? Well, here's how, they, here's how, here's how it probably happened. Nobody knows from sure, but this is, this is likely how it happened. You remember, Israel, because of their rebellion against God, was exiled. Israel was exiled. And when they were exiled, they were exiled to Babylon. And then Babylon was taken over by, by Media and Persia. And see, these wise men, these magi, and by the way, Daniel, Daniel in the Bible was one of them. They were, they were religious in their orientation, but they were also political advisors. And you can imagine, you know, the king would want their kind of expertise because the king would want to know what's happening in the world. Until Herod, and he found out, you know, what he found out, and then he was, well, we'll get to that. So they have, they have our Bible, at least part of our Bible, in their possession compared with these with these astral realities these 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 stars that they're looking at okay so they're studying they're studying because they're like all of us they want to know what's going to happen so that they can be prepared for it they want to know what what's 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 going on in the world and what other religions are are are, are looking for and promising and other religions do that. Every religion has an eschatology, which is a, a, a view of the way things are going to culminate or end. Well, here's what God did. Because like I said, God's pretty clever. He sent a comet. And a comet's like a bright star with a tail. And it goes across the sky. And they saw this bright star with a table tail moving across the sky in a certain direction. They were studying the Scriptures. They saw in the Scriptures, Numbers 24, 17, where Balaam talks about the star of Jacob. And they start following the star. In anticipation of, of, of wherever that star points them, and it's kind of interesting because the star has kind of something like a little point 
Wherever it points them, that's where they're going to be. That's where they're going to find what they're looking for. Well, they go to Jerusalem and they say, hey, we've looked at the sky, we've looked at the scriptures, and here's what we understand. There's a king here who's just been born. Well, you know, Herod has his network. Herod has his network. Let me tell you a little bit about Herod. Herod was a builder. Herod was a doer. Herod had his, had his, had his stamp all over Jerusalem and the region. He built a glorious temple. Herod was a great and successful king. Who killed his own sons? Because he was paranoid. He was a glory thief. See, he had a lot of glory. He could point to this and say, I did that. He could point to that and say, I made that. I did that. He killed his own sons. He had a wife killed. He was paranoid. When the Magi came announcing the arrival of a king, you can imagine. You can imagine what a glory thief with that kind of power is going to scheme and plot to accomplish. He held on to power for 30 years. He wasn't about to let it go. So he summoned them, asked them about what time the star would appear, told them to go find the child, and that they would come, that he would come and worship him. Okay, what about the wise men? We know about Herod. Herod is obviously a glory thief. He can't tolerate the fact that Jesus has come, that Jesus will be a Messiah. What about the Magi? Well, you know, we talk about wise men seek him and all that kind of stuff, and that's all good, but I'm not sure that the wise men knew exactly what they were, what, what they found when they saw that baby in the, ma- or that baby in, a, in the house. With Mary, and his, with Mary and his father. I'm not sure they knew exactly what they found. They knew that, 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 that Jesus had a star. Wow. His own star. Not engraved on pavement. His own star. I mean, his own star. I mean, can't you, can't you pay for those to get your name attached to a star? Some, and people give those as gifts. 
<laughs> Shoot. This is, this is Jesus, and he has his own star. This is God, and he has his own star. He's able to put a comet in the sky and make it move. By the way, Jesus is the star of the show. Okay, Jesus is the star of the show. Jesus is the star of the story. Are you strong? Are you smart? Are you wise? Are you clever? All of that should point back, like that little comet points, all that should point back to the glory of God. I'm only as smart as God makes me and allows me to be. I'm only as strong as God allows me to be. I'm only as wise as God allows me to be. And then with that allowance comes a responsibility to say, He did that. Not I did that, but He did that. So you have these, you have these wise men. I, I, I really don't think that you, that you could classify them as believers at this point because they didn't know. They didn't know like, they didn't know like Simeon knew when Simeon picked up this baby. And Simeon picked up the baby and said, the Redeemer of Israel, our Savior, salvation. They didn't know. But God used them to point this baby out to Herod. And Herod was exposed. Just like, just like we ought to be exposed by the coming of Christ into this world. Because how long after some kind of success, how long after a win, does it take us to say thank you, Lord, and to attribute whatever it took to accomplish that to the Lord. How many times have I, have I gone to bed at night and, and something wonderful has happened during the day? And I realize, before I go to sleep, I realize that I have failed to say, thank you, Lord. Even when I prayed for it previously, I prayed for it, I prayed that it would happen. I prayed that this, a relationship would be restored even. Or, 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 or something like that. And I go to bed and I realize it was God who did that. Anybody with me? We're glory thieves. Little Herods. Magi came and worshipped. But listen. They were joyful. But their joy, if you, if you look closely, was in the appearance of the star. Herod was just plain angry. Now when they had departed at the command of God, verse 13, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose, and he took the child and his mother by night, and departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. 
Now, let's understand that at this point, Joseph could have said, but God, I just hung out my shingle. I've just started this business. I mean, I have the market share for my carpentry business here in this place, and I can't go right now. Are we more like Joseph or more like Herod? And notice how little press Joseph gets and how unspectacular his actions are. He just agrees to be a refugee and to take responsibility for his family and to escape to Egypt. I want you to go to Egypt. Well, that was all in the plan of God so that God could call Jesus out of Egypt because Jesus was another Moses, another deliverer, and we should be making those connections as we read this. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region who were two years old or younger or under according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they were no more. Interesting choice of a passage there to, to, to quote because, because Herod created this this, this, Herod created this mess, this mess that was profoundly sorrowful. It was, it was, it was a, a mess filled with grief, but it was, it was kind of like, because of the passage that, that Matthew's quoting, it was kind of like a Christian's funeral. Because this passage, as it refers to Rachel, the mother of, of, of Israel, Okay, as it refers to her and, 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 and her being the mother of Israel, it's in the context of the exile. It's in at Ramah was the place where they where they went from where they went from from Israel to Babylon, signifying this this great sorrow, this great grief in all of that. But in the context in Jeremiah 31, it's all full of hope. This is the only verse in all of Jeremiah 31 that has this kind of sorrow. And so it's like a Christian funeral in that sense. There's great sorrow over loss, but there's great hope. And here's the way the Jewish people who first read this would, would relate to this. They would say, they would say, the one is come who will rescue us from our exile. And at that point, they were all in exile to Rome. So here's the new Moses. He's going to rescue us from Pharaoh, from Herod, from that whole mentality, that whole ruthless tyrant mentality to the shepherd, the shepherd who cares for the sheep. And he's going to bring us out of exile, out of our slavery into the freedom that belongs to the sons of God. 
Herod brought death. I believe those little babies are with the Lord today. God knows what he's doing. But I believe that they're with the Lord. But there's something greater than that here. There's, a, there's, a, there's, there's Jesus in an exile that goes beyond just being exiled out of somewhere, out of a, of a foreign land. There's a, there's a, there's a hope that, that goes beyond the grave. And it's all centered in this person. And there's this, there's, this, there's this wonderful story beyond the story that's on the surface. The king who's going to rescue us from death has been born. And Herod has no power here. Look at the next verse. Then Herod, no, a voice, no, in the wrong verse. Verse 19, when Herod died. And it's an interesting word. It says, when Herod was no more. He came to his end. All of that glory, all those accomplishments, they're all swallowed up in death. Oh, the, the, accomplishes, the accomplishments may, may last for a little while. That temple's gone, by the way. It was a glorious temple. It took 40 years to build it, and it's gone. And there's not much of a memory of Herod, only in the history books, and, 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 and sometimes he's brought up at Christmas, and it's never really in a very good way. And by the way, if I stopped coaching girls basketball today, they'd find another coach. And you know what? That coach might be better. Might be better on any number of levels. Might be better for the girls. Might be better for the team. They might go undefeated. Well, they can't now because I caused some losses. Here it died. And an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and the mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose, and he took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over, Judah, over Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and he lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene, which was to be despised, but also brought up the thought of being dedicated. So, here's the issue. We're a lot like Herod. We need to be more like Joseph. Because the, more, the closer we get to Joseph, who doesn't care about credit. You notice that? I mean, where does Joseph get any credit here? He just doesn't care about getting credit. He just listens does what he's supposed to do and gets the Son of God 
in the right place. No bells, no whistles, no trophies. He just does what he's supposed to do. And God gets the glory. And God gets the glory. And isn't that why we're here? Whatever you can do, whatever you do, whatever your giftedness is, whatever, whatever your, your job is, whatever, whoever you're interacting with, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. It says that in 1 Corinthians. Do it all to the glory of God because that's what it's about. When, it all, when, when, when you shake it all out, when you just shake it all out, it's all about the glory of God. I exist for Him. I don't exist for me. Jesus left his lofty place to rescue glory thieves who insert themselves into his place and make it all about them. In other words, they take a lot of selfies. It's not about us. Next time you get into an argument, you'll figure it out. How often am I right? Not very. How often do I go about it in the right way? Not very. Christmas should humble us. We'll talk about that next week. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, um, we, we don't want to steal what belongs to you. That this Christmas season and all year long, we want to give you the glory that you deserve. So as we think about how we live our daily lives, help us to think about that. Think about how we give you glory. We thank you, Jesus, that, that you left unimaginable glory to become a human being, to live among us and to serve us, to die for us on a cross. to give us hope and help that extends even beyond the grave and that you promise to come again and share with us your glory well that makes us excited 
and we anticipate your, your, your coming again. And my prayer is that we do that as we celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning. That we remember your humility. And that we remember and long for your glory. We pray for this in Jesus' name, for his sake. Amen.